The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. at CNBC Global Headquarters, and here is your top five at five. Joe Biden preparing to officially be sworn in as the 46th president of the United States. We have complete coverage from Washington, D.C., Markets right now in a holding pattern ahead of that big event as investors digest what the Biden administration will mean for the markets and the economy. We lay out how your money will be impacted and developing overnight. President Trump issuing a flurry of final pardons as one of his last acts as commander in chief. Meanwhile, shares of Netflix taking off soaring this morning after the streaming giant soars past 200 million members and projects a cash-rich future. And he's back. Jack Ma resurfacing, making his first public appearance in two months since the Chinese government's crackdown on his Alibaba company. It's Wednesday, January 20th, Inauguration Day 2021. And you are watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. Good morning. Welcome to the show. I am Dominic Chu in for Brian Sullivan this morning. Here is how your money and the global markets are setting their day up on this inauguration day 2021. Futures pointing to some modest moves at the opening bell, albeit in the green. The Dow Jones implied higher by roughly 60 points. The S&P 500 by about 12 points and the Nasdaq higher by 21. We'll have more on why that Nasdaq outperformance is really driving some of the headlines this morning in the market. This is after stocks kicked off the new trading week with some modest gains yesterday. The Dow climbing more than 100 points, while the S&P 500 rose nearly 1% to snap its two-day losing streak. The Nasdaq also rallying 1.5% as big technology stocks rebounded from last week's sharp losses. Taking a look now at the bond market as well as President-elect Joe Biden prepares to take office. Holding steady with 10-year benchmark Treasury note yields just a hair below 1.1 percent, two-year note yields about 0.135 percent, and the 30-year long bond 1.84 percent on that trade there as well. Your stock to watch this morning. I mentioned the Nasdaq outperformance. We're watching Netflix. Those shares are surging. As you can see, they're up 12.5 percent following fourth quarter results that showed strong subscriber growth. The streaming giant will also say it's now going to be cash flow positive by next year, and it's considering actual share buybacks. While revenues did beat estimates, earnings per share below expectations, we will dive further into those big results driving markets coming up later on in the show. Let's now go worldwide. A mostly positive session in Asia, the Hang Seng jumping more than 1% with the Shanghai Composite and Kospi indexes in South Korea. That's the Kospi posting gains. Japan's Nikkei dipping just ever so slightly there. Let's take now a look at the early trade in Europe as well. Green across the board for the major bourses. We're also keeping a very close eye on really what's happening with the political crisis in Italy as Prime Minister Giuseppe Conte won the backing of the upper house of parliament there 
leaving him clinging to power, but with a weakened minority government in Italy. We're going to keep a close eye on those political developments there. Meanwhile, the German DAX up about two-thirds of 1%. Now to the inauguration of Vice President or President-elect Joe Biden, just Uh, Seven hours away from being sworn as the 46th president of the United States. That's a live shot there of the Capitol building in Washington, D.C. Biden is taking office amid a series of crises as his predecessor, President Trump, foregoes tradition and leaves Washington, D.C. early ahead of those big events. NBC News' Tracy Potts has more from Washington. Good morning, Tracy. Don, good morning. It is going to make for an interesting split screen here in Washington today with President Trump leaving in just a few hours around the time that the Bidens head to the traditional inauguration morning church service before coming to the U.S. Capitol to begin today's ceremony. In just a few hours under the tightest security this nation has ever seen, Joe Biden will be sworn in as the 46th president of the United States. And I'm honored, I'm truly honored to be your next president and commander-in-chief. Last night, the Bidens with Vice President-elect Kamala Harris and her husband gazed nostalgically across the National Mall, lit up to honor more than 400,000 people who lost their battle with COVID-19. For many months, we have grieved by ourselves. Tonight, we grieve and begin healing together. It's important to do that as a nation. Aides say Biden's inaugural speech will focus on unity. President Trump is expected to make remarks at a red carpet military send-off this morning. In a videotaped farewell message, he sends good wishes to the new administration and takes a final victory lap. I stand before you truly proud of what we have achieved together. Overnight, the president pardoned and commuted sentences for nearly 150 people, including rappers, Democrats and former chief strategist Steve Bannon, but not himself, his family or his attorney, Rudy Giuliani. Donald Trump was a a stain on our country. So in any event, he's gone. Having lost support from a key Republican ally over this month's Capitol attack. The mob was fed lies. They were provoked by the president and other powerful people. Biden is pledging to get to work this afternoon. Biden's day one agenda includes signing 15 executive orders, plus sending a bill to Congress right away later today to deal with immigration. He wants to create an eight-year path to immigration for undocumented immigrants. Dom? All right, a busy morning for sure in Washington, D.C. Tracy Potts, thank you very much for that. And don't miss special coverage of today's inauguration right here on CNBC. It starts at 11 a.m. Eastern time with our own Shepard Smith. Now the morning's other top headlines, including some of the first steps Joe Biden plans to take as president. You just heard Tracy Potts allude to them. Rahel Solomon has more on that and this morning's other top stories. Good morning, Rahel. Hi, Dom. Good morning. So, yes, we are just getting more details that President-elect Biden will sign 17 executive orders, as we just heard there, later today after officially being sworn into office. So the orders will include rolling back Trump-era policies and addressing the coronavirus pandemic, also rejoining the World Health Organization asking the CDC to consider immediately extending the federal eviction moratorium and also requiring all appointees to sign an ethics pledge. Uh, While Disney cut performance-based bonuses for its top execs amid the pandemic fallout, Chairman Bob Iger saw his total compensation fall to $21 million from $47.5 million the year before. 
CEO Robert Chapak earned just over $14 million, taking a lower base salary, which he agreed to scale back during the outbreak. Shares of Disney, as you can see, are higher in the pre-market, just about 3.5% there. And how about this one, Dom? Alibaba founder Jack Ma has resurfaced after weeks out of the spotlight and speculation about his whereabouts. So in a video posted on Chinese social media, Ma addresses teachers as part of one of his charity foundations. In October, Ma had made some comments that appeared critical of China's financial regulator. Sources tell CNBC he had been laying low since then. Alibaba's Hong Kong-listed stock did surge on news of Ma's reappearance. About 8.5% right now, Dom. So, uh, yes, he is very much back. A very high-profile reappearance there as well. (laughs) Rahel Solomon, thank you very much for those headlines. We'll see you later on. Now back to the markets as investors await President-elect Joe Biden to take office, cautiously optimistic about his economic agenda. For more now, I am joined by Patrick Palfrey, Credit Suisse senior equity strategist and also co-head of their quantitative research group. Patrick, thank you very much for joining us this morning. Let's talk about whether or not investors should be more cautious about an incoming Biden administration, or do they feel like it's going to be similar to what's happened under President Donald Trump? Well, I I think it ultimately depends what we see out of his policy. And right now, it looks like one of his main priorities is additional stimulus for the economy um, in light of everything that's going on with coronavirus. So I think if we begin to see some of that $1.9 trillion package take shape, uh, including uh, additional stimulus checks to individuals and, and further support for unemployment benefits, I think that does provide another shot in the arm for the economy. And in doing so, will further equities um, in terms of their ascent, but but also support a very pro-cyclical a, a, a financials and industrials and a materials and an energy-driven leadership to the market. So I, I think his policies is incredibly important as we look forward over the next couple of years. Does that mean that you believe that this near medium term momentum swing that we've seen that's taken so-called value oriented industries and sectors like you mentioned, energy, financials, others like that, industrials. Do you think they assume and keep that leadership role that we've seen over the last three months in the coming year to two to three years? I think I think it's quite possible. And that's our expectation. In reality, what we've seen over the past several months is, to your point, value leadership, but it only happened on news days which supported very pro-cyclical moves. So that was days around vaccine announcements, days around the Yellen announcement. Those events were very pro-cyclical. Interest rates moved higher, equities advanced meaningfully, and value pro-cyclical sectors outperformed. I think right now what we've seen over the past couple weeks the past two weeks specifically, is that trade move forward, but in a broader sense. It's not happening on those specific events, but rather day in and day out, we're seeing leadership from those groups. So I think the market is already going ahead and anticipating some of the stimulus which we um, which we just talked about. And I think in reality, those groups are responding to that expectation. And I think it will result in their leadership going forward. In fact, I think it is is It is necessary for their leadership. Without it, I don't think those groups work. I think it reverts back to that sort of growth leadership that we've seen over the last couple of years. Patrick, I mean, one of the things that we reported on yesterday was this notion that inflation expectations are now at the highest levels that we've seen since the fall of 2018. I refer specifically for those who follow it, the 10-year break-even rates, this idea that the markets and the bond market are pricing in this notion that things are going to start accelerating in terms of pricing. 
How does that dynamic play out and how can investors position because of that expectation for growth? Yeah, that that dynamic is is critical. Inflation expectations, which is really just a gauge of what future expectations are going to be. You quoted the tenure, but over the next 10 years, um, it's a meaningful barometer of economic health. And what we expect when we see inflation expectations move forward is that the economy is going to roar. And that is really uh, why you want to position yourself for sectors like financials, uh, materials, um, in, in, in energy and industrials, because they're the, they're the groups and they're the companies that benefit when you have a roaring economy. The, the other thing at which we are following closely, inflation expectations is one of them. Certainly, um, credit spreads and credit conditions, those remain quite um, favorable to the current backdrop that we have. Both of those are what is driving this rotation right now. All right. Patrick Palfrey, Chris, we thank you very much. Always great to get your thoughts, sir. When we come back on the show, more on the inauguration of Joe Biden as president of the United States and what it could mean for the U.S. and China and their relations. Yunus Yun is standing by in Beijing with what these leaders are saying. Treasury Secretary nominee Janet Yellen also laying out the Biden administration's economic priorities during her confirmation hearing yesterday. The key goals of the incoming White House that's coming up ahead as well. And Bitcoin finding itself in a holding pattern right now as another cryptocurrency. Yes, another one hits an all-time high. We've got a very busy hour still ahead when Worldwide Exchange returns after this break. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones... Our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. As President-elect Joe Biden prepares to take office, many are curious on his strategy when it comes to China. President Trump spent four years putting the pressure on Beijing and is now taking steps to keep that up even after leaving office. Eunice Yoon is joining us now from Beijing with the latest there. Good evening, Eunice. Good morning, Dom. Well, even in the 11th hour, the Trump administration is taking taking parting shots at China um, in what the uh, Biden's choice for Asia, uh, Kurt Campbell, has described as more booby traps for the Biden administration rather than welcome packages. Just in the past several days, the Trump administration announced new sanctions on officials over Hong Kong, blacklisted more Chinese companies, and overnight called Beijing's treatment of its Muslim minority the week genocide, which, of course, enraged Beijing. Now, these policies and comments are likely going to take months to unwind and review. Uh, But uh, people out here do believe that the Biden administration is going to have a few things in mind when it comes to to China. First of all, um, overall, the approach is likely going to be tough, yet uh, uh, taking a different tactic. Um, The expectation is that the um, Biden administration is going to be slow to lift certain tariffs and be much more selective with its trade policy. Also, that's going to work more closely with traditional allies to put pressure on Beijing. And then finally, that the United States is going to take 
much more effort to invest back at home in order to outcompete. And uh, Dom, uh, the uh, back in Congress as well, uh, Biden's picks uh, for um, Secretary of State, for the Director of National Intelligence, as well as the Treasury Secretary, have all suggested that they do intend to uh, take a much tougher approach on China than expected. Uh, Eunice, I mean, speaking of that tough, tougher approach, are there concerns given the tougher approach that we are seeing right now, that there could be some other kind of uh, 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 between the U.S. and China. What does it actually say about the road ahead for relations between these two countries? Well, the road ahead is going to be prickly. And um, in state media, as well as official comments from China, uh, there's been a lot of hope expressed for um, some sort of restart because uh, there are a lot of points of conflict between the two countries. At the same time, uh, companies out here are already positioning themselves uh, for a potential opportunity. Uh, one, um, is, one point is that people say uh, the Biden administration is likely going to push greater stimulus, and that could lead to opportunities when it comes to transportation or energy. Um, the, and, and, and the, another big point that uh, people have been talking about is that in the next 24 hours or so, uh, the U.S. is likely going to rejoin the Paris Climate Accords and that uh, Biden's priority of climate and uh, clean energy is really going to be helpful for a lot of companies out here that have been investing themselves in these types of new alternative energies. All right. A lot of big business trends possibly playing out in the coming weeks. Eunice Yoon live in Beijing. Thank you very much for that. We appreciate it. Still on deck for the show, TikTok's owner, speaking of China, making the jump from social media to fintech and e-commerce. Details on the new payment plan from that company coming up after this break. Today's big number, 90 percent. That's how much overseas air travel was down in 2020 compared with the prior year, according to the International Air Transport Association. International air was among the hardest hit travel segments during the pandemic. At the UPS store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. Welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. Let's check on this morning's other top headlines. NBC's Francis Rivera is in New York with the latest good inauguration morning, Francis. Hey, Dom. Good morning to you. Yeah, very busy day ahead. You have President Trump, though, before the inauguration, who issued a wave of 11th hour pardons overnight, granting clemency to dozens before leaving office. Perhaps the biggest surprise, Mr. Trump is pardoning Steve Bannon. His former White House chief strategist was facing charges for defrauding political donors, raising money to build Trump's border wall. Among the biggest names on the list, rappers Lil Wayne and Kodak Black, top Trump fundraiser Elliot Brody and former Detroit Mayor Kwame Kilpatrick. With 25,000 National Guard troops in D.C., the Pentagon says a dozen have been removed from the assignment. Ten were flagged in FBI background checks for various issues, ranging from minor criminal offenses to more serious concerns. Two more were identified for what are described as inappropriate texts and messages, possibly expressing right-wing extremist sympathies. 
All right, if you forgot to buy a Mega Millions ticket yesterday, here's your chance. An even bigger one. There was no big winner in last night's drawing, worth a whopping $865 million. So now that gets rolled over into Friday night's Mega Million jackpot. Guess that worth. $970 million. That's the third largest in U.S. history. And then you got the Powerball as well when it comes to that. $730 million, Dom. That is tonight. So I don't know. We may be headed towards a billion for each, Dom. Francis, would you come back to work if you won either of those? Oh, 100% no. Yeah. <laughs> no. I, I would. I think I would. I would come back to work at least for a little while. After I, if I win the lottery, I, I would just, the bosses, I'd want them to know right now. I would still Okay, so you work. got the asterisk for a little while. I, I'm right there with you then. If it were yes or no, Dom, yes or no? I would say, oh. It's COVID. You can send it through an email. How's yes, that? Yes, there you go. I'll, I'll send it to you on the email right now. Francis Rivera, <laughs> okay. thank you very much. And good luck on your sure. lottery aspirations and everyone's out there as well. Still on deck for the show, more on the historic day ahead as Joe Biden prepares to be sworn in as the 46th president of the United States. Eamon Javers is standing by to break down the incoming administration's economic agenda. Plus, we've got expert analysis on what it all means for your money, your portfolio, everything else. And as a reminder, you can always watch or listen to us live on the CNBC app. Worldwide Exchange is back in a moment. It's inauguration day as President-elect Joe Biden prepares to take the oath of office. He's already planning more than a dozen executive orders to roll back Trump-era decisions on his first day. Futures are muted this morning, though, but we'll talk about what investors should expect in a quote-unquote Biden economy. Plus, in corporate news, shares of Netflix popping on better-than-expected revenues and word it will be cash flow positive after this year. Yes, positive. And maybe even share buybacks. It's Wednesday, January 20th, Inauguration Day 2021. You are watching Worldwide Exchange on CNBC. Welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. I am Dominic Chu in for Brian Sullivan this morning. And here is how your money and investments are looking right now as we are halfway through the 5 a.m. Eastern time hour on this big inauguration day. Stock futures pointing to what looks like muted opens at the opening bell. The Dow implied higher by 64 points, the S&P by roughly 12 points and the Nasdaq higher by roughly 95. All of this is occurring after stocks kicked off the new trading week, a holiday shortened one with some modest gains here. The Dow did climb more than 100 points, while the S&P 500 rose nearly 1%. It did, by the way, snap a two-day losing streak there. The Nasdaq also rallying 1.5% as big technology stocks rebounded from last week's sharp losses. And remember, that was even before a lot of the huge positivity that we're seeing this morning with shares of Netflix. Taking a look now at the bond market as President-elect Joe Biden prepares to take office. Interest rates a key focus, especially with Treasury Secretary nominee Janet Yellen on the Hill yesterday talking about her confirmation aspirations. Take a look at the 10-year Treasury note, 1.1%, the last trade there. Two-year benchmark note yields, just about 0.135%. And the 30-year long bond, the Treasury bond there, just about 1.84% as well. We also want to get a check on the price of Bitcoin, a very popular trade among certain investors these days. 
It is right now holding steady, right around the $35,000 mark. You can see there $34,798, the last trade on the Coinbase exchange. But it's another crypto that's getting all kinds of records this morning, and that's Ethereum, Ether, the world's second biggest cryptocurrency by market value, surging over the last week to an all-time high as well. As you can see there, 1307 the last trade. We've down, backed off those record levels. Now to Washington, D.C., the center focal point of today's discussion in all sorts of news. President-elect Joe Biden preparing to take the oath of office as our 46th president today. Eamon Javers joins us now with what investors should expect. And Eamon, should they expect anything different than President Trump's market and economy? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, Dom. I mean, you're seeing this new economic team taking over with the Biden administration, which comes into office at noon today with the big pomp and circumstance here in Washington, D.C. But focus for a moment on the economic team. And what you see is a group of people assembled by Joe Biden that are going to push for his $1.9 trillion stimulus, at least at the beginning, uh, and then also push for an additional amount of spending on infrastructure. That's got some Republicans wary. If, as you look at the members of the team here, uh, the, the president-elect has said he's going to pick Janet Yellen for Treasury Secretary, Gina Raimondo for Commerce Secretary, Marty Walsh at Labor, uh, Neera Tandon as OMB Director. That's one of the interesting ones that could be contentious in terms of the nomination hearing. Cecilia Rouse uh, for the Com- uh, Council of Economic Advisors, Brian Deese, the National Economic Council Director, a big change there from Larry Kudlow, who had occupied that spot under Trump, uh, Catherine Tai as a U.S. Trade Representative, and Gary Gensler, uh, who's expected to be a very aggressive SEC chairman, all of those people, part of that team that's going to be pushing for the Biden stimulus here in the short term. We saw Janet Yellen up on Capitol Hill yesterday, Dom, making the case that you have the danger is in doing too little, not in doing too much. Uh, She said that the economy could have scar tissue from the covid crisis uh, and that overall the administration really wants to focus on uh, the poor working class and create prosperity for more Americans overall, Dom. Let's talk about whether or not we we could see some kind of a massive move in policy. I mean, these are these are things that we kind of talk about. These could be slow moving elements of a very large tanker ship. We've heard a number of those executive actions that are going to take place earlier today. I mean, later on today after he gets inaugurated. What exactly can be done quickly with regard to policy without having to go through many of the confirmation processes that are going to happen in the coming weeks here. What can Joe Biden do almost right away, so to speak? Sure. Well, some of the things that you'll see, uh, things like rejoining the Paris Climate Accord uh, and others that will be relatively quick for the Biden administration to put into place. But the big piece, you know, that $1.9 trillion spending piece, some of that can be reappropriated funds, et cetera. But that's going to require legislation up on Capitol Hill, and that's going to require getting through an evenly divided 50-50 Senate where the Democrats have the margin of control because Kamala Harris, the vice president, will be able to cast the deciding vote. So they're going to have to get a package through a very skeptical United States Senate. And that means uh, that they're not going to get what Chuck Grassley, the Republican senator, said yesterday he feared, which is a a liberal laundry list of policies. Uh, You know, they're going to have to get that through a very narrow group of United States senators. And, you know, you can see them making the case, going to governors, going to mayors, uh, making the case for their stimulus uh, proposal here. But there's some skepticism from Republicans who say it's simply too much spending too soon. Uh, and, and Eamon, I, I know it's very early and very early to kind of tell what exactly the overarching themes will be with regard to this administration, incoming one. 
for President-elect Joe Biden. In the, at the end of four years, what do you think the big focus will be for the Biden economic team with regard to the one kind of marquee or, or crowning achievement they would look, look to get done? Many would say for President Trump, that was kind of the manufacturing tilt right towards his rhetoric. What, do you exa- what exactly do you think it would be for President-elect Joe Biden once he takes office here? Well, it's going to have to be bringing the economy back from the destruction of the COVID crisis, right? I mean, Joe Biden took office as vice president last time around in the in the middle of a financial crisis. Now he takes office in the middle of a biologically driven economic crisis. It's got a similar feel, although this this one uh, is in many ways much worse uh, because of the scale of the death and destruction of the COVID uh, virus. But if they're going to have a legacy, it's going to be bringing the economy back from the, the brink of real disaster here. Uh, and then you can also see some of the themes here with Janet Yellen's testimony yesterday on the Hill, talking about her emphasis on minorities and women who have been so hard hit uh, in this COVID crisis. Those folks are going to be the real focus here because they say that's where the most damage has been done. All right. Eamon Javers live in Washington with the latest there on this big inauguration day. Thank you very much. We'll see you later on today. For more on what to expect under the Biden administration, I'm now joined by Clayton Allen, director for the U.S. at the Eurasia Group. I, I mean, Clayton, you just heard what Eamon talked about with regard to the aspirations, the economic aspirations for the Biden administration and team. What exactly will this administration look like and, and how different or similar will it be to the first 100 days in office for President Trump? Well, thanks for having me on this morning, Dom. Um, you know, I. Honestly, probably this is going to look not all that much like the first 100 days for Trump. The sort of mandate he's come in with is very different. Trump was, in his first 100 days, trying to turn U.S. policy away from the Obama years. But he was starting at a place where we had a relatively healthy economy, some small things, you know, sort of disregarded there. Uh, But we didn't face the sort of national overarching crisis that Eamon talked about. Biden's first 100 days are going to be very much entirely determined by his response to a crisis that is unlike anything we've seen in the U.S. in generations, if not a century. So just for that reason, it will look quite different. Now, there's been a case made that that President Trump did get elected because of his appeal to many parts of the center political spectrum in America. President Elect Joe Biden has won this particular election, arguably because he appealed to a large portion of the center part of the population. Does that center political arena still exist in America? And how exactly then does the Biden administration look towards kind of building that particular centrist view and putting it back in the center of American politics? And can it even be done? I would say yes, absolutely. The The concept of a center in American politics still very much holds. We are seeing uh, American political life become much more divisive and much more extreme, but that doesn't erase the fact that there's still a, a large cohort of people who, at the end of the day, don't necessarily subscribe, subscribe to either of those two extremes. Joe Biden won this presidency with 7 million more popular votes than President Trump which in and of itself is a strong repudiation of the kind of extreme politics which underpinned a lot of President Trump's political appeal. Uh, so right there, I think you can make the, the, the strong case that there is still a political center. How Joe Biden brings that political center back into the mainstream of politics and how he really appeals to them is another story. 
We've seen a lot of that reflected in some of his cabinet choices. Remember, we do have a lot of people who are potentially from the more progressive wing of the party. Neera Tandon is a good example. Um, certainly Gary Gensler uh, would be another example of someone who's more from the Elizabeth Warren mold. But you've also seen people who have been put in place uh, with more of a moderate focus. Uh, certainly uh, Granholm at DOE is an example of someone who is more from the political moderate wing and is someone who's focused on things that have a broad appeal, bringing back manufacturing jobs, boosting American competitiveness, but doing so in a way that also emphasizes economic justice and lifting up the, you know, whether it's uh, minority populations, uh, women who have been disproportionately impacted by the economic crisis, still emphasizing those progressive ideals, but doing sure. so in a way that appeals to a broad base. I mean, Clayton, before we let you go, we got a few moments left here. You, you use the word mainstream quite a bit. I think to myself, this administration, is the goal of this administration softly to get back to mainstream or establishment politics? That's very different than what President Trump got elected on in terms of his drain the swamp mentality. Absolutely. Um, I would say that it's still a little too early to say exactly uh, what the ultimate goal of the Biden administration will be. But looking at Joe Biden himself, looking at him as a politician, looking at him as a man, he is very much a dealmaker. He's uh, someone who prizes bipartisanship. He's someone who prizes a, a set of kind of baseline American values that certainly would seem to suggest that coming back to a mainstream, as you put it, is absolutely within his goals, his singular goals as president. Whether or not he's going to be able to do that is something that unfortunately only time will tell. All right. Clayton Allen, the Eurasia Group, thank you very much for those thoughts on what's happening with the Biden administration in the coming days and weeks. And don't miss special coverage of today's inauguration right here on CNBC. It starts at 11 a.m. Eastern time with our own Shepard Smith. Uh, must watch television on this historic day here in the United States. Coming up on the show, shares of Netflix jumping this morning as well. We'll talk subscriber numbers, positivity in cash flow and possible stock buybacks coming up next. But first, as we head out to break some of your other headlines, YouTube is extending its suspension of President Trump's account for another week. It remains accessible, but Trump is currently banned from uploading any new content to it. TikTok owner ByteDance is launching a new payment service within the Chinese version of its video sharing app. Video creators often sell items related to their content. The app already has payment deals in place with Ant Group's Alipay and Tencent's WeChat Pay. And budget airline Frontier plans to resume hiring pilots this year. Yes, hiring pilots with a goal of bringing on about 100. Hiring was frozen last year and last summer amid the virus pandemic. Big news there on the jobs front. Stay tuned. Worldwide Exchange will be right back. All right, Netflix shares are jumping this morning. As you can see, they're up 13%. Now, this is all despite an earnings miss. But it's because revenues and new subscriber growth both topped estimates. And perhaps more importantly, the company said it will be cash flow positive by next year. Netflix also plans to consider stock buybacks as well, which haven't happened since 2011. For more on how a year of consumers staying at home impacted the company's results, let's bring in Tuna Amobi. You know him as the senior media and entertainment analyst at CFRA. Tuna, thank you very much for joining us. Tell us right now what you thought was the biggest positive out of yesterday. Was it the revenue? Was it the subscribers? Was it the cash flow positivity? Was it the resumption possibly of stock buybacks in the near future? 
Good morning, Dom. Uh, thanks for having me. Um, it's actually a little bit of uh, all of the above that you mentioned, but if I were to single out the biggest takeaway for us, that'd be the uh, uh, the free cash flow positive. The idea that Netflix is now going to be self uh, financing going forward. This is something that's been a long time coming, and really th- changes the way that you know investors should be thinking about uh, the business model uh, and the valuation for that matter. Um, you know, the subscriber number obviously was um, you know above our, wide- our wildest expectations, uh, margin expansion, um, you know, international traction, all of those elements continuing to accelerate despite the uh, much talked about pull forward impact. Um, from last year's uh, robust uh, subscriber growth. So we think the uh, stay-at-home theme, Dom, is still uh, in place, although it's kind of starting to, uh, you know, slightly dissipate, but the long-term thesis for us remains uh, quite promising. All right, so, so, so uh, Tuna, I, I, don't, I, I kind of want to hit on something that y- you mentioned, this idea that they can be self-financing. This is a huge deal. We talk about cash flow all the time. We talk about cash flow positivity. We set it back in the day for, for companies like Amazon. We're talking about it right now for companies like Tesla. What exactly does that mean for Netflix? What are its prospects? What kind of flexibility does it have in the future if it is, so to speak, cash flow positive? I mean, as we speak, they've got about $9 billion in total liquidity between the cash and available uh, revolver facility. Um, you know, I think the, the business model now really is, is, you know, has become a virtual cycle of subscriber growth, you know, generate revenue growth. Uh, we have them growing revenues um, at least 20% for the next several years, subscriber growth uh, north of 25 million every year. We've got about 300 to 500 basis points of margin expansion. All of that translates into the ability to uh, sustain your, um, you know, cash flow uh, on a going forward basis, which kind of eliminates the idea that they would be accessing the capital markets, uh, which they've done quite frequently in the last uh, several years. Uh, something a little bit unnerving if you're an equity investor. So uh, it's a big deal now uh, to the extent they're talking about potential share buyback. Now, it wasn't too long ago, about a decade ago, that they uh, actually did that. So the idea that a company that was, uh, that, you know, had these rough patches, um, you know, leading up to this moment, um, and also the competition that we're seeing uh, with the guys likes of Disney Plus and others breathing out their neck, it really sets them up really well, uh, Dom, as we kind of think about it next three to five years. Tuna, I'm looking at our website right now. The, the reason why I, I'm curious is because the lead story on CNBC.com, it, it basically says Netflix and Disney are trading places, colon, Disney is the upstart, Netflix, the old guard. Is that a good way to look at it right now? How, how worried should Netflix be about Disney, a massive traditional media company, and its upstart Disney Plus streaming service? You know, I think it's a great question. What COVID-19 has done is actually opens up a long, the runway much broader for, um, you know, both Disney and Netflix, and I might add other uh, you know, companies as well. So I think the point you made is, is quite, uh, makes a lot of sense to me. Um, Netflix now having this positive cash flow inflection, we have them actually in the next, um, you know, two years converging on a valuation basis with, with Disney. Um, circles back to the whole point of thinking more of them as a traditional, uh, you know, media company, even though they're not. Uh, but based on valuation and where Disney's trading, we think there's a whole lot to be said in terms of uh, peer-to-peer comparisons. So if they can sustain the positive free 
uh, free cash flow and continue to grow their revenues and expand their margins, then you can begin to make a case that um, the valuation metrics and the peer comparisons should be very different. And you should actually be thinking of them along the lines of Disney being one of their um, kind of uh, neck-to-neck uh, competitors. All right. CFRA's Tuna Moby. Thank you very much. Always great to get your expertise, sir. Have a nice day. Thank you. On deck for the show, we'll talk about the Biden economy, from trade to plans for the Keystone Pipeline. Remember that? What investors need to know about plans for the Biden administration's first 100 days? And if you haven't already done so, subscribe to our new podcast, Worldwide Exchange, every day in audio format. If you miss us here on air, live in the mornings, check us out on Apple or Spotify or whatever your podcast app of choice is. We will be right back here on the show. Welcome back. President-elect Joe Biden will be sworn into office in just a few hours' time, and his administration says it will hit the ground running. Looking to push through a $1.9 trillion economic relief package. Joining us now to talk about the implications, CNBC contributor Lindsay Bell. She is the chief market strategist at Ally Invest. Also, Jay Bryson, chief economist at Wells Fargo. Thank you both for joining us this morning. Lindsay, I will start with you. What are the biggest expectations that you have for the coming weeks here in the new Biden administration? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest uh, and the biggest thing that I'm looking forward to in the weeks ahead really is what is stimulus going to actually look like? We know what Biden's plan is, but there are questions about what the GOP is going to do. Um, and if we're really actually going to get that $1.9 trillion or if it's going to be a little bit less. So that's where my eyes are focused uh, in the weeks ahead. Obviously, the vaccine, the rollout of the vaccine, too, is another major initiative for the Biden administration that would have major implications for the economic environment, too. So if we can increase the distribution of that, I definitely view that as a positive for the market. What exactly, Jay, does the economic environment look like? I mean, we, we know what it looks like right now. What can we expect the economy to look like in, say, a few months or six months' time, given the policy initiatives that we know the Biden administration will prioritize in its first weeks in office? Well, frankly, I don't know how much those policies will actually impact the economy later this year. I mean, I, I think growth later this year, assuming the, the, the deployment of vaccines continues, assuming that the vaccine doesn't accelerate or the, uh, uh, the virus doesn't accelerate from here, I think you're looking at pretty strong growth in the second half of the year as the economy reopens, as pent-up demand for services are released. The things that probably will, will survive in this $1.9 trillion package, things like more aid to open up schools, uh, more aid uh, for vaccine deployment and, and um, development, you know, those things are pretty small in terms of the actual economy. You know, direct step, uh, checks to people, uh, I don't know if that's going to actually survive here. So, you know, again, I think the economic outlook, second half of the year is actually pretty good, even without some of this policy stimulus. JJ, economists like to model things. Let's talk about how you are modeling things right now. How long will it take the U.S. and the economy to get back to what it was like back in 2019 before the COVID pandemic? So in our model, we have the level of GDP getting back to its 2019 peak later this year. Now, that still means there's still going to be a pretty big hole in the economy because it would have grown over these last two years. I mean, another way to think about it is the unemployment rate. 
Before the pandemic hit, the unemployment rate in the United States was 3.5%. It's close to 7% right now. At the end of this year, it's maybe at 6%. The end of next year, it's down to 5 So there still will be a hole in the economy because lots of these millions of jobs that have been lost aren't coming back. Lindsay, what are the key parts of the market? What are the key parts of the economy to focus on in the next four years? We had previous guests say that the, that the renewed focus will be on things like clean energy. It will be on things like financials. It will be on things like materials and industrials. What, what exactly do you think is going to be the real focal point for investors in the coming years? Yeah, I mean, I think I'm pretty much in that same camp. I think in the coming years, especially in the near term, what you have historically seen coming out of an economic recession and entering into the early stages of a recovery is you see value-oriented stocks usually thrive. And of course, we know the value-oriented style of investing has lagged growth for the better part of the past 10 years. Uh, So we do believe there's still opportunity, some portions of that uh, style of investing have perked up and, and shown big signs of life in the last couple months of financials and energy being two examples of that. But I also think uh, going into the new year, while the industrial sector as well as the uh, material sector have, from a performance perspective, done very well, I think that they still continue, especially industrials, continue to have opportunity on the earnings front. Uh, numbers remain very depressed there. And these are sectors that are going to benefit from the global recovery where we begin to start to see other parts of the world recover, just like we're seeing in Asia, China in particular. We're seeing other parts of the world uh, recover more quickly or sooner, I should say, than than the U.S. And so I think that industrial materials are sectors that you can continue to to stay in if you've if you've taken advantage of the recent rally that we've seen there. Um, and, and again, it's really going back to value-oriented sectors. That doesn't mean I think, though, that technology and growth is going to be left to the wayside. I think there's definitely still some opportunity there, um, especially given the the uh, the the, uh, the moderation that we've seen, uh, the the digestion that we've seen in those parts of the market. Uh, over the last month or so. And I do think that it has a specific place within our economy and within the marketplace. So we'll be watching all of that. There just is probably more upside in the other areas that I mentioned. All right. Lindsay Bell. Jay, thank you very much for being here with us. A big inauguration day. Really appreciate it. Thanks for those thoughts. And that does it for us here on Worldwide Exchange. Markets right now showing some stability ahead of that big inauguration right now. Dow futures implied higher by about 75 points for the opening bell. The S&P roughly 14 points higher than NASDAQ, up by 107. Squawk Box picks up the market coverage on this big inauguration day, and it comes up next. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern, only on CNBC. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.